If you're feeling overwhelmed by clutter, whether it be physical or mental clutter, I invite you to join me for my free five-day challenge called Re-Energize Your Home. We'll be meeting from June 3rd through June 9th for this amazing challenge where you will discover the power of shifting your mindset, the power of managing your energy, and having true support for your efforts. Let's help you reclaim control of your life and your space in just five days. All you need to do to join us in this free challenge is to go to maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com slash challenge. Again, that's maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com slash challenge. I can't wait to work with you and I'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Make Time for Success podcast. This is episode 39. If you've been feeling like you're struggling to be your full self in some way, I think you're going to benefit from this episode. My special guest is Allison Crow, who has been coaching women over the past 15 years. She helps authentic and ambitious women keep the soul and the success in their business through her deep coaching, strategy, community, and leadership. In our conversation, Allison shared with me how she's worked through her own feelings of insecurity, both personally and professionally, in order to emerge as a soulful leader who now helps other people to move from insecurity to self-trust and self-acceptance. You're going to hear how much she cares about the people that she works with. And I think you're going to be inspired yourself to be a little bit more courageous and to take a deeper look at what might be holding you back so that you can move forward in a bigger, bolder way. Let's go listen to this episode now. Hi, I'm Dr. Christine Lee, and I'm a psychologist and a procrastination coach. I've helped thousands of people move past procrastination and overwhelm so they could begin working to their potential. In this podcast, you're going to learn powerful strategies for getting your mind, body, and energy to work together so that you can focus on what's really important and accomplish the goals you want to achieve. When you start living within your full power, you're going to see how being productive can be easy and how you can create success on demand. Welcome to the Make Time for Success podcast. Hi, everyone. I have already been on a journey with my special guest, Allison Crow. Just before pressing record, we had to work through recording issues and setup issues. And we were just talking between ourselves about how this is the job of doing business, that we have to make it through what we make through. So thank you, Allison, for already showing me the way and welcome (laughs) to the show. Thank you for having me. I love that we started with some, what I call wonkiness, just, you know, a little wobble. I think that as business owners, we forget that a wobble is part of the process continually. (laughs) And whether it's a technology wobble or an inner wobble, and I'm committed to be a transparent leader, so I'm showing up as my human self today. And what was interesting before you and I even connected, I'd had a wobbly morning with my own stuff. And I 
worked my processes through it. And then I had an amazing coaching call with my group. And then I went outside for a little while to just decompress and then come back in here. And it was funny how when the Zencaster didn't work for us, one part of my brain or self said, there's something wrong with you, Allison. She does this all the time on Zencaster and you're broken. Like not, 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 I did, I did not first think, oh, Zencaster might not working. And it was very subtle, but on an arty wonky day, it can be over magnified in my own brain. And so then as we moved to Zoom and we're working through that, I had already gotten to the place of not taking it personally. This is just what we do. And yet I see that process happening in my clients all the time, even highly successful people, how there's inner debris and echoes that show up in totally neutral things like technology not working, (laughs) much less, much less like a client saying no, or having to make sales or visibility and all that other stuff. And so we had agreed to talk about inner work of for business owners today. And here I am, even in the process, doing constant inner work. And of course, on the other side of the screen, here was I feeling terribly that Zencaster wasn't working, worrying about how this was going to go, and doing the same kind of inner dance that Allison was going through at the same time. And I just want to start this particular episode by saying that Alice and I don't really know each other. The backstory of how she got to be a guest on the show is that she put up an Instagram story and note inviting other podcasters to have her on the show. And it was this beautiful invitation. And it was really purely Allison's tone. I've been following her for a while on Instagram. And I thought to myself, am I really reading this? Is she really just asking for a guest invite on my show? And I said, well, let's do it. This is beautiful because I would love to have someone like Allison on my Mm -hmm. show. Allison is so open-hearted, so genuine, so creative, and such a powerful coach and leader that I'm just thrilled to introduce my listeners to her and to wobble around together on this episode. So Allison, can you start us off with a deep breath and with a description of how you got into coaching, who you work with, and what your strategies are? Yeah. So I have been self-employed for 17 years. That was not expected. I got married at 28 and by 31, my ex-husband said, I came home one day, he said, I don't want to be married. And up until then, all I had ever wanted was to be a wife and a mom. I will note that as a freshman in college, I was a psychology major until I made a D at the University of Texas, and I never made a D before in my life. And so I changed my major. It's just kind of funny that I've come full circle to psychology. And when my husband left, I was the kindergarten teacher, or actually I wasn't a kindergarten teacher anymore. I was a technology coordinator for a small Catholic K through eight school. And I had just gotten my real estate license. And I told my boss at the time, I said, I need to quit. I, ha- I have to keep this house and these dogs, however this turns out. Because I was making like $36,000 a year as a teacher. And that wasn't enough to support 
me in the home that I was living in. And he said, why don't you stay here for the first semester? You can do whatever you need to do real estate wise. I think he was trying to convince me to stay, but I set off on a real estate journey and that led me to sales. So sales training, the first thing, but because I was new to sales, they said, Hey, hire a coach. And that was the very first thing I did after I got brought onto this company was hire a coach. So I've had a coach ever since 2003. And in 2004, after, I guess it was a little, little bit after I'm trying to make this concise because it's, it's been 17 years of a journey. I did really well in real estate. I left the teaching job. I was tapped to be the first of what was called productivity coaches for this company. So I was a sales coach locally. I did that for two years. I did it really well. I helped people make lots of money. And then they asked me to be the coach of the coaches. And what I noticed then was that my clients who did the inner work were the most joyful and successful. And yet my company was teaching hardcore lead generation. It's a numbers game, like real systematic. So eventually I left. There's a whole book in in there that I haven't written about that process, but I left and started my own coaching company. And I started just coaching other small business owners and building business and building business online. That was relatively new when I left. And for years, I helped still coach other coaches just because in sales. And over the last few years, I've transitioned to working with successful business women who don't bring how-to questions to the coaching calls. They can, but they don't because they don't think like that. Um, a lot of my clients are already really successful and they'll say things like, Oh, the house, I have the husband, I have the kids, I have all this success, but something's still missing. And so while I will always love talking strategy and marketing and sales, my heart is to help my clients meet themselves and do the deep inner work of working with thoughts, emotions, beliefs, behaviors, even trauma, so that they can have a soulful life and business. Like really, my soul is full, all is well, like the the hymnal. <laughs> I'm not Christian anymore, but I grew up on that. So it is well with my soul. Beautiful. So I'm a life I'm a life coach and it's taken a lot for me to let go of the business, but I'm a life coach. For business women. Okay. Thank you so much for describing <laughs> the path. Mm-hmm. As you were describing the different steps and stages, I was thinking to myself, but I'm wondering how difficult it was to let go of each stage or each position or each place you were in. What kind of resistance was coming up? What kind of Things did you do or say to yourself to get yourself away from the resistance in your own development? Oh, yeah. This is um, when I obviously, all I ever wanted to be was married and have babies. And I got married late and I married a really nice guy. And he just showed up one day and didn't want to be there. And so my ultimate fear of being left and rejected happened. And then I went into this business world 
So I was very insecure personally, but I had a natural ability. I love learning. I love a challenge. And so I just went right into the sales. So I was doing really well, but I was very insecure. I totally sold real estate. I don't know how, um, what level your audience is like PG, but let's just say I met all my real estate clients smoking weed on the lake and at the bars instead of open houses. Like I was young, 30, recently divorced, taking control of my sex life, looking really hot, but terribly insecure on the inside. But I was surviving and I was doing all the things I hadn't done when I was younger. So it was a very wild time, not respected by the owner of my company or by my CEO, except for I was making them lots of money, but I wasn't fitting their quote values. Honestly, I wasn't doing anything that they hadn't done before the company was big. And so that, you know, got going, got going, met my husband who are almost my second husband, four years later, I just like, we, we had been together six or seven months and I got the promotion to be the um, productivity coach. My husband is retired now, but he taught for 29 years and he's never not had a paycheck on the last Friday of the month. And his dad was in the military too. So he's, he was a teacher from 19 on. He's only, I mean, he's worked with different schools, but always had a check from the state of Texas. And then he had gone through a divorce. And so was a single dad with two kids on a teacher salary. So security and stability is his values. And mine are freedom of expression and risk-taking. And so while we loved each other, Christine, that was that was some of the most difficult parts of my life because I was afraid he was gonna leave me. And I I did not have the self-assurance that I did now. Um, I can look back and see so much where childhood trauma made all these decisions for me. So I did that job, I quit, and then they gave me the promotion, right? Like I was like, no, I'm gonna go do my own thing. But I was so I had just gotten married. I was so scared of being left by him. And he was like, please, please, please. I can't believe you quit. You know, because it wasn't planned out. And I'm sweating just talking about it. And so I went back for two more years. And because I left, they felt threatened that I was going to start a company. How am I going to compete with the largest real estate company in the world? Please. I needed seven clients. Not I went from 76 clients to seven. I didn't need 76 clients, but I wanted my bosses to approve of me. I wanted my bosses to see that I was valuable. I wanted them to trust I'm not a bad person. I don't wake up and think I'm going to offend everybody I can offend. I just was born without a filter. And so I had so much. I needed my husband to trust me. I needed my bosses to trust me, but I also had this knowing that I was born for this, but I didn't you know, and I had some experience, enough experience, gotten to be 33 years old and still hadn't died from failure. And um, I finally told my husband, after I quit the second time, for about a month, I was really scared. I applied at Ikea, because they did 30 hours a week or 20 hours a week with benefits. And I, pl I applied at all these places that let you work 20 or 30 hours and get benefits. Cause my husband was like, you don't have any security. And um, I finally told him 
I, I looked him in the eye. He's six foot five. I'm five foot 10. So I was standing on the stairs in one of our old houses and we were eye to eye. And I said, babe, I just had this moment of, I should trust me. What would I do if I trust me instead of Bill should trust me? And somebody had asked me that question. I was sharing with one of my coaches, you know, just this, I just need Bill to trust me and then everything will be fine. And I looked at him in the face and I said, I know we just got married. I know that you've always had security. I've always had freedom and I come from a family of entrepreneurs and I trust me. And if you don't, we can get a divorce and I'll never say another bad word of you, but I have to be me because otherwise you're not married to me. And he looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> we kind of have this weird relationship. He's like, well, of course I trust you. And from then on, it was like, you know, it was our, both of our childhood trauma bumping up in a not so obvious trauma way, right? Like there's trauma that's in really deep, deep psychotherapy, but then there's like the everyday trauma that we're living with. And so I went from there and it wasn't 24 hours before I got my first client in the online world and I never looked back. And I've built a quality over quantity practice. I have a hard time with a lot of the things that were being sold online and were being sold fast and quick. Everybody, everybody wants it to happen quick and everybody wants a seven figure system and everybody wants these things. And I experimented with lots of them and this is a lifelong journey. This is a, we're in it. This is my, this is my business and I'm not in the business of selling businesses. So this is, this is my body of work. And so it will be constantly growing and changing. So yeah, there was a lot of insecurity to work through, especially around self-acceptance, self-trust. And it was interesting. Now I can see I needed everybody else to trust me, but I wasn't putting my energy on trusting me. And so now I've learned how to stop that projection projecting all that onto everybody else. And now it's like, once I saw that, it's so much easier to take ownership and responsibility and then move forward with process. I call it meeting myself, meeting myself, being that which I need for myself, soothing myself and moving forward. Thank you for that beautiful explanation of the things that had to come together Mm -hmm. and face each other within yourself and within your relationship with your husband to give you the freedom that you knew was there and you knew you had to return to. Could you please tell us about the mixture of feelings and logic? And I believe you're an artist as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I can hear and see the logical part of your brain, but I also see your beautiful art on Instagram. So I would love it if you could just talk about how you use feelings and emotions and your art in your work and in your life. So feelings as sensations are very new to me as in 2014. Now, I think we all know the word feelings, but I didn't realize that I was thinking my feelings. So What I didn't mention in that is that like at 21 or something like that, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety and it's hereditary in my family. Like my doctor was like, I was waiting for one of the crow kids to come and say they had this problem. 
And so that's something I've been comfortable with and managing and, and just like, I just know who I am in that. But I didn't realize until I started painting as an adult that I was bypassing the sensations of feeling with intelligence, uh, with my body, and with spirituality and hyperpositivity. So these were all ways that made me feel good on the top, but I didn't really feel good. I was depressing sensation down. And so even in my coaching group this today, we often say, are you thinking sadness? Or are you sensating sadness? Because it's so much easier for many, when I say system, I mean, mind, body, spirit, the psychology, the physicality, the spirit, it's so much easier to think it from the neck up. And many, so this is with these brilliant women that I work with, high achieving, many of them recovering overachieving. They are neck up women because they had to be neck up to survive, to build their businesses, to get through divorce, to raise their kids. And, and same with me, like all those things. I didn't, I didn't realize I felt unsafe. I, if you'd asked me that 10 years ago, I'd have thought you were nuts, but right. Like my psychology didn't feel safe. So it was in survival, build this business. If you make enough money, you'll prove your validity and your worth. You'll be independent. You'll never have money problems like your parents did. You'll show that old company that you're the best coach in the world and they'll regret that they ever treated you this way. I'm being really hyperbolic just but because it's easy to do now, but those feelings were true. And so I started painting and then the political climate changed and my we had a lot of dissension in my family which has always been very close and it was scary and heartbreaking and i from 2015 16 to now i have had to let myself learn how to feel what i was feeling and not run from it and learn how to listen to it instead of stop that crying bullshit trade up your thinking. There's, I mean, there are all these like coaching and mindset things that work, but they, they only work temporarily unless you go to the root burden of it. And any way that I found myself showing up in the world that I don't want to say that I didn't like, but I knew wasn't useful or helpful because I don't want to judge it. But if I, let's say, so here's a real life example. I let my podcasting, one of my, I had two podcasting producers, one that did all the marketing and the one that's been with me for like seven years that's done the audio. And I needed to take a break earlier this year. I've been working with her for almost three years. I love her. I love her team. I love what they do. And I um, am now on month to month with them. The real life businesswoman scenario. I have a call with her. I say, I, I was wondering if it's an option to take a three-month pause. I need a content creation sabbatical. And she said no, because her company has changed and they only do podcast production. They don't do the marketing anymore. The adult in me, the businesswoman in me knows that. But like the four-year-old little girl in me was... I'm going to lose a friend. Now, it's one thing to have that thought, but it flooded me on the call with her. Like all of a sudden, I'm in this professional conversation and I'm feeling like a little girl or like a junior high girl. And so I was like, why, why is this happening? Like, I know I, I coach people through all this. 
but it was, there were certain moments where these thoughts would come up in professional situations. They had been coming up in my marriage, but we've kind of figured out that. And so, right. I, people call them triggers, whatever they want to want to call them. And I was like, Oh, this is another opportunity, right? This is not Stacy's stuff. This is my, well, she may have had stuff. I don't know because she probably has the same thing. And she was like, this is a business call. We'll keep the, we'll have a different call friendship wise. So, right. Like, cause we were friends and I know that's a lot. And I know I ramble. And I also know that your listeners have moments where they're like, why did I act that way? Or why did I respond that way? And I know better. And yet there's still a tender little part inside of all of us. I see it in resistance to sales. I see it in resistance to visibility. I see it in conflict. I see it in people pleasing and overfunctioning. I tend to work with people that overfunction versus underfunction. And so I'm seeing this place where I am not a therapist. I am doing some preliminary internal family systems, which is a therapy modality training. And I will, as soon as I can get into the certification, I will do that. But I see where psychology and coaching really need to meet. I see where the nervous system has got to be a part of development from the, like, we don't need to learn it once in sixth grade. It needs to be a primary conversation. You know, a lot of coaching for me treated symptoms, but it didn't touch the root. And now the longevity in my career is helping me see, oh, go to the root. And so this is what we do in my live coaching sessions. And it's beautiful to watch these brilliant businesswomen be able to see and meet themselves like, oh, I didn't get that position. I actually got a promotion, but because it doesn't have a title, I feel rejected. And they sit with that little rejected part that needs the label. And they just hold her and love her. And even as I share this with you, I hear voices of past mentors say, I would never talk about that kind of stuff from the stage on a podcast. It's just not appropriate. And just before our session or call today, I had written a post because today was wonky for me. And I said, nobody, I'm not being hyperbolic there. Nobody has led me with the transparency that I lead my clients with. I've had a few that come close, but I will keep being the leader for myself and my clients that I needed. I needed to know that I was normal and human. And after, I don't even, I've stopped counting at 40,000 coaching sessions. Every time I'm in a room with highly successful women, self-doubt, enoughness, excruciating insecurity, and conflict avoidance is always present. And so if we can, you know, saying trade that up or it's a change your mindset, change your life. I mean, I'm so thankful, you know, that change your thinking, change your life got me interested in personal development. I was 19 years old, but it's not that simple. There's, there's some sweetness. That's the other thing too, is that a lot of coaching I guess there are some people that want their ass kicked. I don't want my ass kicked. 
I kick like many people. I, I actually have a pretty good inner critic system. I'm not a self hater. I can be intellectually critical, like critical thinking critical. But most of these women that I know, they don't need their asses kicked. They actually need some softness. But even that, you know, there's a layer of what we're told, don't cry at work. This is shallow, you know, those kind of things. And I just, I have a heart for myself. So I have a heart for these women out there doing it. And I see the path and I see the work and I want everybody to have the work. And the path. <laughs> and the path, right? And like, and path. it's hard when you, see, because, oh, hi, my name is Allison Crow. I want to make you cry. I want to dig up all your old childhood. It's going to be slow. You're going to do it in front of other people because having witness and bearing witness is super comfortable. Pay me lots of money. Let's go. How's that for a Facebook ad? <laughs> that sounds like a fun Facebook ad. Actually. But let me tell you, I have a viable, sustainable business. My husband looked at me when we bought the house we're in because we bought it without having to sell our other one. And we're here in Austin, Texas, where the market went crazy. We did buy it a year ago. So right before it went crazy. And he goes, are you sure your income is sustainable? And I just looked at him and rolled my eyes. And I was like, 17 years, mother effer. 17. How many years do I have to be multi six figure? Yes. In When I left one and started my own, I went upside down for three months. But how, how many months do I have to do? And so maybe to him, I'm proving it. But how many of us are looking at our own businesses and not seeing from the identity that this is working? I am working it. I will work it. This is sustainable. I am a business owner instead of maybe someday I'll get there. Right? Like this, what's this achievement we're all trying to get to? Oh, yeah, you hit six figures or oh, yeah, you hit multiple six. Oh, yeah, you hit this. Now what? We keep going. You pay, you pay your people, and the money's all gone. So you got to start again. <laughs> all right. So I feel. <laughs> I know I have a flood. <laughs> no, it's okay. A part of it is, part of my reaction is that with my recent habit of inviting people I don't know to be guests on my podcast that I get impromptu, immediate, on-the-spot coaching that I'm not particularly expecting. And as an overachiever who has uh, certainly a four-year-old little mm -hmm. person inside too, I find this all very beautiful. And mm -hmm. I really liked your point about you have to get to the root. You have to touch the root. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how much coaching you get. It doesn't matter how many programs you buy or things you sell or ways you try to win mm -hmm. because that root is still there. And mm -hmm. I think that's why kindness is so important. Mm -hmm. That gentle approach is so important because that root got stuck there oftentimes because of kicks and because mm -hmm. of harsh systems and harsh practices and really mean self-critical voices. I happen to have had one of those. Mm -hmm. So I am a survivor of a really intensely mm -hmm. critical inner voice. So thank yeah. you for really describing so beautifully all the different facets of what's inside of us, because I don't think this stuff is really spoken about that much. It's not. And I'm, um, because I see 
that it's not spoken about this way. And like I said, I mean, I really am sweating. And it's funny, some days I'm not nervous. I'm totally in self-energy, which to me is just the highest form of sacred energy. All my parts are still there. And then other days I'm like, really, Allison? Not in an ego sense, because I've moved from wanting to be famous because I used to really like, and now it's like, no, I just want people to have the tools. And I'm also starting to see the systems, right? Like, so racism and financial systems and, and capitalisms. And I've been paying attention, like, how come I wanted to buy that thing that I kept seeing on Instagram? Well, because I have a, I bought, I finally bought, it took like five months. I kept seeing a little electromagnetic face thing. And I was like, don't buy that stupid tool, Allison. You're only buying it because you're afraid. And I think there's a difference in sales between fear and readiness. And so many people are selling to fears versus readiness. And so same thing, as I move, I want to move towards love, not away from fear. And so even when we're being kind to ourselves in our voice, I want to move forward through resistance, not to shove away fear anymore because it comes back up. So if I meet fear, I talk, literally connect with it. So talk about intellects. I have to go below my head and actually spend time with an open heart with my fear. And I do that in a multiple personality conversation because it helps me personify and then moving forward in excitement and courage instead of away from fear. And most of the messaging out in the world is inviting us to move away from fear through scarcity. And so I also want to deep mythologize the mind of a, a businesswoman. Every time I share something, that I can hear all the people saying, oh, I would never share that. Somebody, not somebody, many people email me and say, I don't feel so alone because you said that. And those are the things that keep me going. And actually, when I worked for my old company, I was on a, a panel in front of a couple hundred people. And there were like four or five of us productivity coaches. And I don't remember how it came up, but I mentioned struggling with depression and anxiety. And at the time I still lived in it, but nobody, I wasn't hiding it, but everybody just assumed everything was wonderful. And after that event, I had a hundred other coaches from this global company saying me too, me too, me too. And my boss later said, I would never have shared that. Like she was mortified and embarrassed and, and really they tended to, they knew that it would get me. So they would treat me like a three-year-old because it would hit the three-year-old in me. And that was a defining moment of that I'm really just now coming into. So that was probably 2008, seven, eight. I'm just now coming into, you bet. Let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about the kind of trauma, like if somebody's suicidal or cutting themselves or has a drug or alcohol problem, we can see that trauma, but let's talk about just generation X. <laughs> Like the trauma of being Gen X, the trauma of going being raised in the credit world. Like in the 80s, when 
when our parents went from not having any money or saving to just putting everything on credit, let's talk about alcoholic parents and not as AA, but like, what was the impact on attachment? And you know, cause you're a psychologist, right? Like, but let's not talk about it from a clinical space. Let's humanize leadership, which means we have to lead ourselves as a human. And to me, that's my spiritual beliefs has come to the most spiritual thing I can be is connected to my humanness. And I don't know about your listeners or you, but when I say that to myself, I breathe deeply. And if we women and men, I have a couple of men clients, I have one men in my membership group, all the rest women. If we can breathe both literally and in our souls, metaphorically and in our mind, then we can create anything we want and we pass it down to our kids. I don't have biological children, but the greatest joy for me is watching a mom change the relationship with her children through this work. So yeah, I'm a life coach. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I just love this. (laughs) We just winked at each other on the screen. Like like a life coach gets a bad rap. And, and uh, I learned that from Steve Chandler. He, he does a lot of corporate work or used to do a lot of corporate work and he trains a lot of coaches. And when he was in the corporate world, his price was like $150,000 a year, right? So he's a life coach, $150,000 a year. There's another guy named Steve Hardison that I know. A couple of my friends have hired him. He's now $200,000 a year cash up front and you have to fly to his office and they call themselves life coaches. And because we've been inundated on the market, maybe we think Stuart Smalley, right? Like you're going to be down by the river on the bus from the Saturday Night Live skit or whatever. And the reality is if you are alive, if your heart is beating, and you have a body and a mind and a spirit, of course you're human and could love support. And it doesn't mean you're sick. And so, yeah, I'm a life coach. Like I had to really get over the fact that I said I was a life coach, but I realized there's kind of, you know, in any industry, there are, I don't even know what the word is without being tacky. There's people that aren't really in integrity. Then our, like, you know, as a real estate agent, there were people you had no business doing real estate with, but were out in the world. Anybody could get licensed. Low bar for entry, high bar for not just success, but skill. And so, yeah, I'm a life coach. I love it. I love to tell that to people. And they're like, oh, well, what did your husband do? He, he lives off of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of my ego self is like, yeah, I, I make plenty of money as a life coach. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Can we talk about values and how you use that as a tool in your coaching practice? I love that. Um, So values was actually one of the first lessons like I did learn from my company. I did get a lot of good things from my company and it's like a standard thing. And I think we can go a lot deeper. And so recently I went and redid my values because they've changed I was actually taught that you have the same six core values through your whole life. No, you heal some of your inner stuff. Your values are going to shift because they're not motivated by fear anymore. And so actually it's hand-drawn. It's on alisoncrow.com, the homepage, because I, I also think your values in this day of those of us, and I know you are too, who are marketing online, not only can we, we don't always have to speak to our clients' problems and their pain. 
we can also talk about our values and that helps people choose who they want to work with. My clients want authentic leadership. They would rather me be wobbly on a call than bullshit them any day. They also want, they don't know they want softness, but when they feel it, they melt. So values keep me in a noisy world aligned with myself. Because if I am going to choose to participate in social media, which has been an enormous blessing for me, because I left the paper marketing world right as social media. I was the first one in my company at the time on Facebook. And immediately I got a referral that made me $30,000. And I was like, oh, this internet is a thing. But we're inundated with stimuli, stimuluses, whatever, stimuli, right? That's the multiple word. We're inundated. Oh, should I be doing that? I should be doing this. I'm doing that wrong. If I just buy this, I'll feel better. And they really get me. I'm also really empathic and sensitive. So I have to check, is it mine? So I keep my values, the things I really care about, the things I want to be known for, the things that drive me. So there's, you know, the, the subconscious values that people, behavior responds to that. And so then I also used to keep that, my business, because I'm so involved in my business and life, it was all one thing. And now I was like, oh, what are the values of Allison? And what are the business values? And it makes a Venn diagram, right? Where the two circles overlap. And for me, there is a lot of overlap, but it was an important exercise to distinguish deeply, not just in my thinking, but in my body, notice what are the Allison values and what is her business values. And those are my true north. Whenever I'm doubting, so I use the example of a pregnancy test, right? Like you pee on the pregnancy test and it tells you positive or negative. And so knowing your values and I have my business ones, which are like that I use content around here, but I also have my personal ones in front of me that nobody sees. And so I can just in any moment I can say, does it fulfill relation? Is it relational? Does it nurture creative souls? Is it simple? Nine times out of 10, I'm forgetting fun, play, and humor. Am I trying to be a machine or am I a gardener? Because I have a philosophy that work, I work with gardeners, not machines. I think machine is a viable way to do a business. I don't want to do it that way. Um, and so I can look up those things and ask myself a coaching question or ask myself a decision-making question. And it's so much easier because I go, oh, well, no wonder I'm suffocating. I haven't had any fun player humor or no wonder this is feeling stuck or blocked. I'm trying to do it the hard way. I'm trying to come up with a new sales process. Christine, I know exactly what works for sales for me. I've been doing it for 17 years. There is no new app. There is no new program. I know exactly what to do. And it's really simple. And it's relational and human. It's not done with an AI. So that's values. So I did recently redo my values um, clarification exercise. It's a much more extensive, like you've got to get out your scissors and you've got to cut up 120 of these values. It's a workbook, but it's a really beautiful session. Um, 
you know, if a client never works with me, but they know their values and can put them on a piece of paper or their mirror or in their car and just check in on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing with this? Not as a judgment, but we can be doing wonderfully in five or six areas and be like, let's say we're an eight, nine or 10 in five areas, but one of them is a two or three, we will have physical, mental and emotional symptoms. And so I created a values exercise as a freebie. There's a lot of different valuable things, but not trying to upsell anybody, but please know your values. Do them once or twice a year for your own self. Teach your kids, (laughs) right? Especially when they're teenagers, they're probably going to say, screw the values, but they're my (laughs) North Star. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all the different stories and all the different (laughs) moods and all the different insights that you've been able to get for yourself and pass on Mm -hmm. to everyone who works with you and knows you. Could you share how our listeners could get connected with that values uh, document? If you go to Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, Crow, and Crow is like the bird, and it's allisoncrow.com forward slash core values, all one word, and it will send you the free workbook. You can follow me on Instagram. Instagram's my favorite place right now. I love Facebook too. I have recommitted to loving Facebook, um, but that's usually where people already know me. And so Instagram, uh, but allisoncrow.com forward slash core values is where you can get that values exercise. And then on allisoncrow.com, if you really want to see me get naked, I actually do have a video of me getting naked, telling a little bit of my story. It's funny. It's 20 minutes. Nobody's ever watched it and said that was awful. So that's for your entertainment pleasure. (laughs) So dear listener, certainly keep in touch with Allison. You can see already that she's full of life and love and is so inspiring and strong in her journey. So thank you, Allison, for joining us today. Is there anything that you would like to leave us with? Yeah, I thought about, you know, you're the procrastination coach. And I know we all procrastinate on a lot of things. Please don't procrastinate on meeting and being yourself. Ever. Do your best to make that number one and everything else will fall into place. And thank you so much for taking a risk on me. (laughs) No risk at all. It was a blessing. Thank you so much. It was totally fun too. (laughs) All right, everyone. I will see you next time. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends. Please leave a review for the Make Time for Success show. And we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make Time for Success podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard, you can subscribe to make sure you get notified of upcoming episodes. You can also visit our website, maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com for past episodes, show notes, and all the resources we mentioned on the show. Feel free to connect with me over on Instagram too. You can find me there under the name Procrastination Coach send me a DM and let me know what your thoughts are about the episodes you've been listening to. And let me know any topics that you might like me to talk about on the show. I'd love to hear all about how you're making time for success. Talk to you soon.